and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by myself, Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, good morning to you. Good morning, Danuta. Good to have you I here. Am fantastic to be here. Happy to be here on this Early morning. It is an early morning. It's a 3.30 rise, really, for us with this new daylight saving Mm -hmm. time. 4.30 rise is about a 3.30 rise last equivalent of last week. But Mm -hmm. we are here. We've had a great long weekend. Tell me what you're grateful for from your long weekend. Oh, I just had such a fantastic long weekend because I got to preach a lot basically so wow friday night saturday morning saturday night i was preaching for a big basketball competition that happened where it brought adventist christian schools from all over australia mostly up the east coast up here to avondale Avondale, wow to come and to play basketball and basically i was tasked with hey lawson you know share share jesus with these young people a lot of which aren't christian and don't come from christian backgrounds and God really blessed. Praise like the I, Lord. I was well. I had a fantastic time, and, you know, cool. just mixing and mingling with the kids and whatnot. But I really was just considering my messages, and I was kind of first exposed to the gospel and had that step towards faith when I was seventeen, eighteen. Mm. And a lot of these kids at that age, you know, year year Fabulous. ten, eleven, twelve, and I'm like, what did I need to hear at that time? And that's where I just reflected and I'm like, okay. And God really helped me put together some messages that really bless these kids. And I had kids just walking up to me and sharing about their experience and from Christian backgrounds, and non-Christian backgrounds. It was amazing. Fabulous. How, how, what was your weekend like? I know that you were, man, you gallivanting. We went away for a little while uh, over the weekend with my husband. It was just beautiful. And then we did some beach walks, which were absolutely fabulous. I love doing beach walks. So yeah, did a bit of camping and we're back here and pumped for a whole new week ahead in every way that we can have. Hey, and coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Chris Waghorn, where he shares his testimony. In our new segment, we're looking at early brain development in preschool children and also looking at medicine. And in our Bible study time, we're starting a new series looking at God's mission, my mission. And today we're unpacking God's mission to us, part one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. With Danuta and Lawson, we're starting a new week. It's a short week. It's only a four-day week here for us. Um, and so we want mm. you to get in as many texts um, about your answers this week because you've only got four-day chances with the quiz. So mm. take it away, please, Lawson, with the first quiz question. Okay, our first quiz question for today. Which Old Testament book did Samson appear in? So the famous Samson, the famous Samson who... Got his hair cut off. Well, he had long hair, <laughs> he had and long so hair. he was a strong dude. That's right. And then he gets his hair cut off and loses his As strength. As he didn't intend to have it cut off. Well, That's the yeah. Whole point. Well, you know, he did it for love. Yeah. In, well. in like one of the While most he was sleepy. toxic relationships ever. Just like, just the worst <laughs> example of what a relationship looks like. If, if you want to know what not to do, look towards Samson. But hey, what book... Does that take place in? That's if right. you know the answer, hey, 0491 is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you'll go into the draw to win one of our 
favorite prizes here at Faith FM on The Breakfast Show. It is the Revive Cafe Cookbook, specifically Volume 6, which is just uh, like this is a massive book. That's it a, is a massive big, book. thick book here in front of you me. You want to have it in your home. You can home. hear me flicking through the pages. <laughs> so, okay, so can you see on the front cover page. there? See on the front cover yeah. there, the tort, the very top picture there. Uh-huh. Okay. It looks like a tort. So, you know, a cake that's got three layers, you uh-huh. know, okay. And I actually made that several years ago, but it's all natural stuff. So it's oh, not the typical yum. sponge cake. It's not, but it looks like a black forest cake, doesn't mm. it? Hey, but it's not a black forest cake. It isn't full of sugar and stuff like that, but it's just got fabulous recipes right throughout there. Which one are you pulling out oh, now? Oh man, this looks epic. If you want to make cheesy pasta bake, but cheese with a Z because it's dairy like dairy free it's dairy free that's right. uh you mate it's right here it's tasty it's healthy it's amazing all of these awesome recipes we want to give to you absolutely for free all you have to do is answer our quiz questions correctly firstly here which old testament book did samson appear in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine again guys you only have four days so you have to send it. That's here. right. You have to We're guys, already getting go them off, coming get in those quick. answers <laughs> in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Danuta, um, what is happening in the world of positive news? Yeah, well, positive news. And hey, just before we do, we've already got some text messages coming oh, in. David awesome. writes, "Good morning, Shell, Danuta, and Lawson. How are you doing on your daylight savings, Danuta? Funny you say that you get up at three thirty a.m. for the show. I wake also at three thirty a.m. here in WA." For, uh, ready to listen to your start show, wow. um, 3.55 That's incredible. That's so cool. That's dedication. That's commitment. Yeah, isn't that commitment, honey? He says, remember now, you're three hours ahead of of, of them in, in WA. Whoa. So, yeah, just, oh, um, and of course, WA had a long weekend as well. So, yeah, let us know what people, if you've mm. had, a, got, had a long weekend in your state, let us know what you did over the long weekend and what mm-hmm. you've actually enjoyed about the long weekend in every way. So, mm. um, yeah. So, hey, moving on to our good news segment here. Just early brain development in preschool children. It's really interesting to see what, what, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Harding writes. Mm. She's an early childhood expert in Middlesex University, which is based in London. She's actually written a brand new book called The Brain That Loves to Play. Mm. Do you like to play? Um, like, Play guitar, or yeah. Like a, well, also- hang out, hang out with friends, <laughs> or like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, dude. Yesterday, you know, watching the the finals of the basketball game, uh-huh. and you know, sitting there with my friends as a fan, and that's kind of like a type of you could say play, like being a fan, like watching something yeah, take place, and you're yep. spending time together, and like we're cheering the team on and everything. Like it's kind of like you're in the game, and then watching them play, but then also playing as well. Like I, I love that stuff. Absolutely, I thought you were going to say I didn't realize there was a finals <laughs> basketball game, but I actually thought you were going to say the the knockout yesterday was the knockout, oh, the Aboriginal knock, knock, the yeah. Curry knockout was on yesterday. Yeah. So that was that. And of course, the day before oh, was the finals oh, of the Broncos the, and Pen- and Panthers playing oh, as well. Man. So yeah, where we were staying, like everyone was kind of you know you'd, you'd walk through to the toilets. We were staying in a caravan park, and everyone was watching that. But hey, look, you know, loving to play. One of the things I loved when we were staying over this weekend in the caravan park is just seeing families have fabulous time. You know, there were two families that hired like virtually almost the go- all the go karts that were there, and mm. they were go karting. You know. 
know, they were they were going around the whole um, caravan park, or mm. people playing, you know, together in in the uh, at the beach as well. That was just beautiful. But here, particularly, Jacqueline Hardy, the doctor, Doctor Jacqueline Harding, actually talks about how brain develops through play with preschool children and how really important it is. Because typically what's seen is people just think it's a fun thing with children. Some parents actually play more with their children than others. Mm. And I know when I was a speech pathologist, one of the things that um, I encouraged parents to do was to do a lot of language stimulation and speech uh, when they were actually playing with their children. It's a really mm. good, crucial time where you're having one-on-one where the child is actually listening to you and reflecting, you know, and, and responding to you. It's a lot of really good communication development that happens because your speech development, language development in the verbal side, depending Mm. on how that develops in those first five years, determine how your reading and writing side go. Yeah, absolutely. And so those foundations are really important. But play is important in a whole lot of aspects. And what I love here that Dr. Jacqueline actually unpacks, she says that her aim in the book is to keep being part of discussions on how we need to care for children Mm. from naught to five years of age and parent them and educate them. She actually looks at the latest research on brain development And she says that children's brains crave for somebody to play with them and they actually thrive on play. Mm. Now I've seen that, like I, you know, my, my niece is really brilliant, for example, with playing with her children. I remember when I was staying with, um, in Adelaide some time ago and just watching her Mm. just constantly giving stimulation to the, to the, to to the children. She's just really great with that, doing a fabulous job. And there's so many mums and grandparents that do a fabulous job in that space Mm. and so here we actually see she actually says that uh, that that play creates new pathways in the brain and it actually lays for instance like a a foundation for learning and growth Mm. in the future by giving them rich sensory experiences so we know that the five senses you know this the senses uh we've got taste we've got hearing we've got sight we've got smell we've got touch and so all of those sensory experiences are really important for the child childhood development and exploring it through play is really important and it helps the actual the child to actually have a holistic approach to their development and therefore holistic mm-hmm. development uh, that they actually need in every way not only if, uh, you know particularly for the early years that lay those foundations but the foundations that are there for the future years in their education, of course, then for, mm. for their working career as well. And so overall, play develops, uh, builds a better brain. And when we play, the brain also begins to jump, she says. These are her words. She says the, the brain begins to jump with joy connections that actually bring about progress and growth in the brain. And so, like I said, she's actually saying that play is actually a learning experience. Mm. And she's also saying, uh, covers in her book, that with COVID, of course, the children that were born during COVID or in their younger years during the COVID time 
will actually ha- are likely to have a long term impact on ment- yeah. their mental health, yeah. which is of course really significant. And therefore, she's saying do as much play as you can in those early years. And if you happen not to do it very well because of your stress levels and things like that, and because of your own mental health impact that COVID actually had, mm. she's saying it's not too late. Basically, do as much as you can now. And I love the fact that play develops connection, it develops relationship, and it develops trust. And, you know, when we look in the Bible, there's a lot of verses that are Bible verses that are in there. But I look, I think of the one in Proverbs that says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And I think that's really important because trust mm. and relationship has been developed. And then they're more open, of course, to spiritual things because you've got the trust and relationship in every way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love writers even as far back as the 1800s people who were working in the medical field or even in the religious space like Ellen White were advocating for that's right a country style of living that country. would enable yes. kids to be out in nature playing Love and, it. Yes. and whatnot and because of the positive effects that it has on the brain and on the being mm-hmm. and anecdotally like dude some of the smartest people I know like the people who just ace every single assignment at uni and whatnot they're like from the country. You talk to them and they sound, they sound like bogans. There like, you go. Like, like yeah. oh, they're like, hey, hey, yow. And then Quality they're just like, time together. and then they're just all HDs. It's just incredible to see the way that, uh, yeah, constantly getting in and getting things done with your hands at a young age affects the brain positively. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson. Lawson, it's come time for our next quiz question, please. Mm. Our next quiz question. How many stories did the Ark have? Mm. How many stories? So, so we're not talking about like how many stories did it tell, but we're talking about the Ark from Noah's and time. And how many levels? And how many levels did it have? So if you know the answer to that one, hey, 0491-064-669. We've got lots of answers coming through. And I have a town here that I want to yes, share with so you Yes, so where are we going? Who are we saying hi to We're today? We're saying hello to Armadale WA. Uh, WA? Yeah. There's oh, a... I thought you were going to do a New South no, Wales this is, Armadale. Apparently this is an Armadale in Western Australia. Okay. So, so there's two Armadales in Australia. Maybe there's more. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, I think they're spelt differently, like the two areas. Hey, if you're from Armadale, Western Australia, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Hey, 0491 ah. It's one of the suburbs like south of Perth, essentially, on the southeastern side of Perth, which every time I say like I'm just looking at the map now I'm like southeastern side so I'm like oh close to the coast opposite away from the coast because <laughs> they're on go. the western side of Australia That's and right. if you're from Armadale Western Australia and you want to win our prize this morning hey 0491 again how many stories did the Ark have and our amazing prize for this week is the Revive Cafe Cookbook Volume 6 we want to give it to you absolutely for for so, free, mouth-watering recipes. You look yeah. at the pictures, it makes your... Plant-based, healthy, tasty. Absolutely. And hey, Armadale, that one's spelt with an A-A-R-M-A-D-L-E. Yeah. The one here so, in New South Wales with an I. With an I. Yeah. Ah, okay, so, so we've got Armadale versus um, Armadale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Hey, where are we going with our news segment today? So we are talking about medicine. Mm-hmm. I shared the story earlier this month or last month about a teenage girl in the UK who had 
this disease. It was a mitochondrial disease. And she had actually been denied by the government, the NHS um, Foundation Trust, um, as part of like the, the Birmingham hospitals there. She had been denied further treatment of her disease. They basically turned the tap off for funding, saying that, She's a goner. She's a lost cause. Yes, and, I remember you and we're not going to. And it was yeah, an incredibly yeah. sad story because there was still options for her. Like yes. this was the thing that was found. She was accepted by the trust as someone that okay, we're going to support this person. And then being in full strength of mind and being uh, basically being seen as such, she elected her parents. Essentially, it's like okay, if I if my condition deteriorates to the point where I can no longer. Um, I can no longer make the, these decisions for myself. Like I give my full trust and care to my parents mm. and their decisions mm. what counts. Mm. Now their decision was when she got to that state and there was the opportunity for her to go and do this exper- like it was experimental treatment, but it was potentially life-saving because yes. she, she's facing this terrible mitochondrial autoimmune disease that's, that's killing her. Um, the courts actually ruled and the NHS fought to say that, at that time, when she made the decision to give her rights over to her parents, she was actually outside of a right state of mind, mm-hmm. even though she was like coherent in a way. And that was the point of her making that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was actually seen by two psychiatrists who also confirmed that she was in her right mind to make a decision to give her rights to her parents, who said, you know, who advocated for her to continue to receive treatment. Which is to really significant, disease. isn't it? That they assessed her, her mental ability to make the decisions and they said that she's in the right. She's, she's in the right state of mind. State of mind. She wasn't, con- right. she wasn't coerced into this. Uh, she was in the right state of mind to give her rights to her parents and her parents, again, tried to um, put that forward. But they've actually received a gag order and as a result of this and... The main reason is because is that she's passed away now, which is wow. just an awful ending to, to this particular story. And and this is actually uh, a Christian family, that, and she's a she's a Christian young Christian teen, you know, believing in you know fighting for life, fighting for um, yeah a quality of life, and you know that she should continue to receive care and and mm. not go into palliative care when there mm-hmm. is other options as well to save her life. Possi- yeah, of possibly trying something else. Yeah, yeah. So what's the progress? What has happened there beyond so that now? Where are we going? With- at the moment, so she has, well, her family has been, you know, making statements and whatnot. They can't talk about the specific hospitals that they went to or whatever it may be. Mm. So it's the it's in Birmingham where the, like, the NHS Trust mm-hmm, is, is set mm-hmm. up, um, but they can't talk about the specific hospitals that assessed her as, oh, no, we need to turn off the tap or that fought against her or whatever Um, because they've got a gag order against them. So they can't even make public. It's like, okay, it's these people who took away our right to receive or our daughter's right to receive health care and whatnot, which is such a sad situation. And so ultimately what we're seeing here in in the British medical system is, yes, someone who has a a life-threatening disease that they can do nothing about and they can't receive treatment for because they're being blocked from treatment and as a result, they die. And so the parents are grieving, doing a double grieving here. There's yeah. trauma, uh, layers of trauma here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're grieving the loss of their daughter, but the whole situation around that 
um, is just causing them, you know, the, the grief around it, that there was the possibility of her staying yeah, longer. So, that's right. So what are the parents doing now with that? And what are, you know, and what input have the psychiatrists even got for yeah, this? Look, all they can do from here is just, you know, advocate and talk about the situation and hopefully, you know, see, hopefully see through the gag order and potentially see it overturned to the point where they can actually talk about the ins and outs of this situation and they can talk about what what happened and what went down so that you know they can give that information and and you know rulings can be made and and even like a step because under a gag order they can't even they can't even bring further litigation against these people Mm -hmm. um or fight for her case and like make this right in the courts. They're just kind of stuck. So that's, Mm. that's the position that they're at. Now I want to contrast this situation over in the UK with a situation that's happened in the U S now the sixth court of appeals has uh, ruled that in, in the U S so this is the Kentucky, Tennessee, this, this area of the United States has ruled um, to ban minors receiving gender, um, changing surgeries and puberty blocking drugs. Wow. For, for people under 18. Um, so minors wow. can not consent to receive this treatment. And the charge that is being brought against this appeal from those who are in, in a pro camp of seeing this happen is that they are holding back life saving care from gender affirming, uh, from, you know, non non gender conforming teens. Wow. And so and so again, so we're seeing a flip side here and they're saying and and I, I could even potentially see people in, in, in Tennessee maybe trying to identify or people in this position um who are again part of the pro camp of yes, minors should receive uh-huh. gender affirming care. Uh, they're they're saying, oh look, see they held back um care life saving care from this girl in the UK and now they're holding it back from mm-hmm. us. But Mm-hmm. The difference in these situations ultimately is, is that from all the studies that have been done, gender affirming care isn't life saving. That's right. The only area in which gender nonconformity threatens life is in the area of suicide. Mm-hmm. And I was reading up about this because I, I wanted to learn. The ultimate question is, does receiving gender affirming care stop young trans teens from killing themselves? Mm. Like that's like the, the big question and the outcome of, and this is, this is from the national library of medicine. So this is, this isn't a Christian study. This isn't anything. Um, they took on board a, a, a whole host of studies that were done at different universities from across the United States, a, a bunch of different literature. And they said that while a majority of the studies and, you know, and it ended up being around 60% of the studies would say that receiving gender affirming care lowers the rate of suicidality. These studies have all been, we, throughout all these studies, we have witnessed what's called type one error mm. or what's called a false positive. So essentially that the different aspects of the study that was done to come up with this, like the conclusion that was made from the various factors uh, the conclusion that was made from the various factors that show that, oh, hey, yes, gender affirming care actually improves suicidality rates and lowers them and decreases them. Um, it's, it's, it's ultimately a false positive. Mm. And there were other factors at play in the people's lives. And the other thing was that the methodology of these studies weren't very stringent. Mm-hmm. What we see on the flip side, the counter to that, it's like, okay, well, if it, let's say it lowers suicide rates, but what else does it do? 
it then basically gives all teens who receive that care a life sentence Mm. of needing and receiving hormones for the rest Mm. of their lives, which Mm. they didn't have to go through beforehand. Mm -hmm. And again, going through a time and an era in which they're teens, they're young, I believe them. They're struggling with gender dysphoria. They're struggling with these things. But again, this life-altering care, can it be consented to? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Behold what manner of love. Our next quiz question here. Which Old Testament book did Samson appear in? Which Old Testament book did Samson appear in? If you know, actually, sorry, that was our first question of the day. Our next question actually was, true or false, Solomon was David's second son by Bathsheba. True or false? Again, Solomon was David's second son by Bathsheba, true or false? If you know the answer to that one, hey, 0491-064-669, that's the number to text you. Go into the draw for the Revive Cafe cookbook. Again, true or false, Solomon was David's second son by Bathsheba. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. You're joined by myself, Lawson, and the wonderful Danuda. And today on the show, we have an interview with Chris Waghorn. Now, we had him on on the the 10th of August to talk about Bible League and the amazing work that they're doing here in Australia and internationally, getting the Bible to people everywhere. Mm. But now I've got him on the show talking about his personal testimony and how it is to come to the, how he came to the Lord. Chris, are you there with us? Yes, I am. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, Chris, we are so excited to have you on again. Your first interview you did with us was just an absolute hit. We were incredibly blessed. We're excited about it, yeah. Hearing the work that you guys are doing in the space of evangelism, getting the Bible to people. But now we, we want to know about you and how it is that you've journeyed to come to the place where you're in this position doing an amazing ministry. And I guess we could start with the start. Where, where did it start for you? What does that journey look like for you? Well, I'm I'm a fairly recent Christian, in fact. Um, mm. I, I only came to the Lord sort of relatively recently in, a, in about, um, well, it's actually a process um, that took a couple of years, and uh, that was between 2015 and 2017. Oh, wow. So it is fairly re- it is fairly recently, and um, I've only I've, I've been in. Uh, my wife is a, a Melbourneian, which explains why I'm, I live here in in Australia now. Mm. Um, and uh, when I when I came to Australia in 2019, I wanted to follow my Christian convictions. Mm. <laughs> but uh, initially, um, initially, my wife did a uh, an Alpha course yes. in. Um, in uh, Richmond upon Thames, where we used to live, and uh, I had no interest at all in uh, the Christian faith, in the church, um, in in Christ, or anything like that. I was coming very much from a secular space. In fact, I built my own health and well-being business, mm. and uh, I had a book out with Random House Penguin, and uh, my uh, product range, which I built really from nothing was in over a hundred doors across the UK. And uh, we wow. had, uh, you know, it was a proper company shareholders and everything. And uh, I just had no interest in, in, in church at all. I thought, um, you know, it was quaint. It was a bit of an anachronism. And I thought, um, you know, there are only two Christians I knew in my life who were, who were proper Christians. One was my neighbor, Mike, and the other one was Cliff Richard. And I didn't really know Cliff Richard. But he was the only, <laughs> there you go. He was, he was, he, I didn't really, as I said, I didn't really know Cliff, uh, Cliff Richard, but he was the only other kind of inverted commas Christian that I, that I knew. He was one of those Christians. So, mm. um, so, um, 
you probably want to hear about <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us, where did okay, your journey sure. begin? Because you're saying, you know, you weren't really interested in church and stuff, but were you a That's believer right. in any kind of way? And, you know, were you a complete atheist and not wanting to have anything to do with Christians? And if so, you know, tell us a bit about that journey, how it changed from that to something else, you know, yeah. Right. Sure. Well, I think I was, um, in terms of in terms of my faith, inverted commas, before I came to the Lord, I was a universalist, mm. um, I think, in my perspective. So in other words, all religions, uh, my view was that all religions were broadly the same. Um, you know, uh, we'd probably all be saved, um, although I didn't really do too much thinking about that. Mm. Um, you know, um, I was perhaps a bit of a... Uh, a, a materialist in 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 some point in some points in, in in other words, I didn't believe in any type of existence after death. Death was death was that death, mm. death, death was all there was. And um, but um, so it was a kind of um, yeah, kind of a a universalism, I guess. Um, it was I had quite a sort of uh, a, a liberal um, uh, approach mm. to uh, faith and uh, and theology. So that that was a space that um, I, I that I was coming from. But of course, that all changed. Uh, in in the UK, when you study um, theology, um, you can you, you you at university you study um, you can study theology as a liberal art, which is quite which is uh, different to here in Australia and different to the wow. US. Oh wow! Because so you're you're not necessarily at Bible college or seminary. Although of course there are Bible colleges and seminaries in the UK, and there are lots of them. Um, you can study theology as a liberal art, and that's what I did at King's College. Mm. Wow. So um, I went in. I wasn't a Christian actually when I studied. Theology and um, wow. I went. I went in with the mindset of you know let's demythologize all of this, and uh, actually the complete opposite happened. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so, where did you start coming into the picture of moving towards being interested in God? Well, um, my wife did. Uh, as, yeah, my wife did the Alpha course, and uh, she. Um, uh, I, I noticed that her behaviour was starting to change. So, for example, I remember coming back to our property, and our, our property was actually. Um, across the road, St. Stephen's Church in Twickenham, where we ended up um, going to church, becoming, you know, um, faithful Christians. Actually, I'd not stepped inside the church. I'd been living opposite there for nearly 10 years, and wow. I'd not stepped oh, wow. inside the church <laughs> because wow. I thought I was doing, I thought I was doing really well because, mm. uh, and the reason I hadn't stepped inside the church was because, you know, I smelt the whiff of evangelism in the air and I didn't want to get into any embarrassing questions because I just assumed that my knowledge of the Christian faith was more sophisticated than, um, than, you know, the knowledge of the average Christian was. Oh, wow. Um, but, that's just, <laughs> but, that's what, but that's just what I thought. That's just what I believed. Mm. That's, what I, that's what I thought was the case. However, um, uh, my wife did the Alpha course and she started listening to worship music, mm -hmm. uh, modern worship music, which I'd never really been exposed to. And I remember coming back into the house and thinking to myself, gosh, you know, she's got it really badly, this Christian thing. And, and I remember, I remember kind of um, chuckling to myself thinking, gosh, you know, this is really, uh, this is, you know, this is really, um, this is really, uh, really peculiar. And, um, and anyway, um, she went through the Alpha course and uh, there were a few things that happened, which I'd love to share with you which um, really kind of did bring me over the line mm. um uh, i went to a christmas service and um at this christmas service they were showing um a black and white film of the virgin mary trying to find somewhere to um give birth in and mm. it was a very kind of visceral type film it was all blood and guts and uh, i remember thinking to myself gosh you know i'm sure something like this 
could well have happened. And I remember at that point, um, um, you know, I, I, I became perhaps a little more open in my thinking mm-hmm. as to, you know, the historicity of, um, you know, the New Testament and the Gospels, mm. of which I'd actually done quite a lot of studying because I'd read theology anyway, many, many years before. So, mm. you know, I was familiar with the, you know, with the language and stuff. And, um, and another thing that happened, um, well, I started going to, we started going to church. Um, you know, the next Sunday and we started, we were embraced with open arms in this, in, in this church and, um, you know, and, and I, I was, uh, discipled in, into a men's group, the men's Bible group called Fishers of Men. Beautiful. And, uh, and I started reading, I, I started to hear how, you know, Christians were reading the word, word Christians were reading scripture in a way that I never kind of read scripture before. And mm. eventually, of course, I, I started to read, um, you know, the word as a, as a Christian. But, um, one of the other things that I'd like to share that happened, um, if I might be candid, my wife and I really struggled to, um, procreate, you know, um, mm. we waited for five years and there was no sign of anything happening. And of course, I'd always just assume that, um, I was going to be a father in, in life. And I suddenly started to think, well, perhaps I'm not going to be a father. Mm. And, uh, we started taking the, um, assisted conception route, the IVF route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, I was in the, uh, in my kitchen at the time and my wife came back from an appointment and she said that she was deep in prayer. And this was at the beginning, I, I guess, of the whole kind of alpha, uh, the alpha course and all of that was going on. And she said that she was deep in prayer. And while she'd been deep in prayer, she'd be given the word Nathan by God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really struck me because she's not the kind of person to say that. It really came out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what do you, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I didn't know, I don't know anyone called Nathan, but I Googled what Nathaniel meant. Mm-hmm. And it, and of course it means God has given. That's mm-hmm. it. It's beautiful. So, so, um, after that she became pregnant and she wow. had a 5%, a 5% chance of, um, you know, becoming pregnant because there was some, um, there's some big, there were some problems there. Mm-hmm. So I remember, you know, I, I, I'm not suggesting this is a, a definitive reason for suddenly coming over the line, but lots of these types of things, mm. you know, kept, kept on happening in, 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 in my life. I was kind of in a sense being wooed by the, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so, so, um, so to speak. And, um, and then, and then I remember, um, I had a, brief experience when I was uh, at university going to um, uh, going, going to church for a little while and I went to a very charismatic church in London and I didn't really I didn't really like it because it was too charismatic all the expressions of waving art you know, arms in the air and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. I don't really feel very comfortable with it. But I remember in this church across the road from me all those years later, 2015, um, I remember a few, there were some charismatic expressions of worship, like there was the odd arm raised. But I, I, I really wanted, all of a sudden from deep within me, I really wanted to raise my, raise my arm in mm-hmm. a, in a, in a, in a deeply, in a very, in a very kind of deeply emotional, um, you know, faith, faith, faith driven way that mm-hmm. I was, I wanted to be, I wanted to be, um, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I wanted that, this for myself. I wanted faith for my, you know, for myself. And, um, and, uh, I remember also during the, the worship seeing the language that was used to describe, um, Christ as, um, you know, it sounds quite, um, uh, you know, kind of basic, but, um, you know, lovely and beautiful and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, no, no longer kind of was Christ the unmoved mover or the first cause or some deeply kind of, you know, academic intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly Christ had become like really personal, um, irreducibly per- personal. And, um, 
and 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 that I remember that touched a, um, a, a note with me that was really um, significant. And of course, um, when uh, we we had a very strong prayer ministry at uh, St Stephen's, and um, after the service, you know, we were invited to go up and uh, receive prayer. And I received uh, prayer from our uh, from the priest and uh, um, Jez and. Um, and uh, as he was praying, I, I was uh, in, in, in torrents of tears. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me, he asked me, um, you know, um, do you always do you always cry like this when people are praying <laughs> over you? And, and of course, the answer was, um, um, well, I said I said no, but actually the answer was yes. You know, I I, I really, oh sorry, the other way around. Um, I, I actually no, I didn't I didn't cry like this, but um, you know, um, it was it at that point it was kind of like you know I became aware that I was being um, you know, convicted of my sin, which is quite um, a powerful thing yes. to say, but it's a very true thing because I think at that point I just experienced freedom Beautiful. in a, in a in a way that I'd never experienced before, you mm. know, and um, everything everything in my in my world in my life was put in perspective. Right, and yet and, at the time uh, you were thriving so much in your work and in that space yes, uh, overall, right. and yet yes, what was. you're saying, you're you're really realizing that that isn't true freedom. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, actually, you know, when you're when you're building your own company, your own business, your own brand, basically, which is what I was doing in the yeah. in uh, in London and building a big uh, international business, you know, you're um, it's real slavery, you know, because mm-hmm. um, you know, e- even though you know, you, you know, you 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 kind of run the show, you're the um, CEO, whatever, um, you know, you have to, you pay everybody before in a small business, you pay everybody before you pay yourself, you pay the banker, you pay the insurance man, you pay your stock, you pay your overheads, you pay everything. And then sometimes, you know, even, even if you, even if you're, you're, you're doing really well, sometimes there's not enough to pay yourself, you know, so, so, so. So, so just because someone's late on payment or something and, you know, you've got to, um, streamline those processes and that they, those processes aren't always streamlined in a, in a young business. So, um, so it was really tough. It was, and, and there was so much pressure and, uh, you know, the, 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 it had a profile as well. The business has a lot of pressure on me personally, but, um, yeah, I, I, I just guess, you know, God just didn't want me to work in that space anymore and, uh, and, uh, pluck me out of there. I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful to that now and work. That I'm doing now with Bible League. Um, amazing. So I, I love this story so far. You've come from a secular background where it's not, you know, and this is something we observe here in Australia, the secularization, the non-religiousness of Australia, not necessarily that everyone here in Australia is a militant atheist. And I think similarly yeah. in, in Britain as well, but rather than people yeah. are, you know, non-religious, but then you start to have an, a personal mm. experience with Christ. You see him yeah. showing up in various mm. ways in your life. You're like, this is, this yeah. is undeniable. You know, mm. you're oh, really yeah, experiencing yeah, that's right. it. Now, that's right. Yeah. I, I would yeah. love. You're following the evidence. You're following the evidence. And that's you see, right. I think non-religious people in the secular space always confuse faith because they think, um, they always equate faith with being, um, a non-evidence based thing. Mm-hmm. Where in fact, faith, um, for in my life, faith, um, you know, coming to faith, it's just been about following the evidence. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And so then you are in this place now, you're working for Bible League, doing this amazing ministry. How did that step happen to go from, okay, I'm experiencing Jesus in my life. Now I want to live for him. I want to make my vocation mm-hmm. something that is uh, according to his purpose and his mission. Thanks for being a part of the Faith Wait, well, FM family. Uh, that, that Join our community on Facebook wild. or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. When I became convicted 
Um, mm. You know, and I, I, at the same time, I was I was convicted. I was convicted in my heart, so I knew in my heart it was true. So therefore, um, I had to be able to defend my faith from as many different angles as possible. So I went out and uh, I read tons of books. And since I read theology in them in you know all those years, <laughs> all those years ago, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of um, there's been a lot of um, um, stuff written, um, apologetics, and uh, you know some. Some, some really great books that help to um, distill all of this, um, mm. you know. And, and so, I, so I, I became an, um, an avid reader again. And uh, I guess that's um, it, um, that led me to um, want to study again. So when I first came to uh, when I first came here, um, I uh, did a course at Ridley in um, in Melbourne, and mm. uh, I actually. Um, uh, decided to go down the path of uh, the ordination pathway with the uh, Anglican Diocese of Melbourne, mm, and okay. um, and um, and uh, and the course was great. But unfortunately, lockdown um, happened and COVID and everything. So that all uh, discernment, the process of discernment and the course, though it was all online, it was all in a virtual space, and um, and and you know, being a foreigner, um, you know, and uh, with a new religion. Um, in a very strange time during COVID, it, I think it just became a bit uh, over, overwhelming. So, um, <laughs> so I didn't really know, I didn't really know what to what to do with it all. And then I, I decided. Um, fortunately, we had the means to when we first came out here to just uh, you know um, live live. I, we didn't have to work for the first year that uh, we came out here, and um, and that turned into two years with COVID. Then I suddenly thought to myself, well, you know, I've got to go out to get a job. And uh, there were some a couple of commercial opportunities that I looked at, and I was. Mm. Up for a couple, mm-hmm. but then, um, but then I, but then I saw this uh, advertisement with um, uh, the light, um, which the you know the Christian radio station for a business development manager. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, that sounds great. It's in uh, it's in Blackburn. It's it's local to where I am. Christian team, and then I thought, oh, advertising sales. You can't have everything, but there, but there we go. Um, that's <laughs> that's part of that's that's going to be part of the role. And uh, I applied for it, and they they um, it, the process was all really slow. And I was invited into some business networking meetings, which I didn't really want to go to. I just wanted to you know, I just wanted to get a role, to be blunt. And uh, mm-hmm. I came across the guy who did um, Christian Jobs. Do say you? Mm-hmm. And I told him about the situation. He said, "Why don't you um, have a look at my site?" So I mm. had a look at ChristianJobs.au, and there it was. The first thing I looked at was Development Officer Victoria Bible League. Come and build the kingdom. Wow! wow. And I thought, and I thought that's me right there. <laughs> <laughs> it jumped out and, at you straight away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I applied, and it was the one job that I really wanted. You know. Um, because I, I thought it kind of touched um, a lot of the um, the things that I enjoy um, doing, talking about, and um, and I enjoy preaching and um, you know going to different churches and uh, and supporting our supporters. And I love the work that we do uh, both here in Australia with um, First Nations people. We do the PEV, mm-hmm. uh, the Plain English version, uh, which has been touted as the best. Uh, uh, targeted indigenous resource in Australia, and mm. uh, we do the, the, the prison Bible, which mm-hmm. is probably our most famous resource, and everyone uses the prison Bible. And uh, then over, overseas, we're in a 1040 window in the Islamic world and the impoverished world. And we've got a big campaign in Ukraine at the moment. So, um, um, so, so I love the I love the, the the kind of the you know the content of the work that we were doing and um, you know what we were what we were doing, and uh, so that's finally how i came to um to to work in the work in the kingdom 
Incredible. Well, it sounds like you have just had an amazing journey of how God has reached you, has touched your heart, and now has led you to reach others and to do an amazing work coming to a place where it's like, hey, let's go out and, as you said, build his kingdom. Is there anything you want to leave us with before we sign off this interview? Yeah, maybe just uh, end off with a little prayer, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, do you want to pray for us? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Father God, Abba, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I thank your son that I can call you Father, Mm. that you reached your hand out through your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit to this prodigal son that stands before you today. I thank you for this immense privilege to serve in your kingdom through the work of Bible League. Mm. Father God, I commit all of the hearts of the people who are listening to you be open through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I can never thank you enough for the privilege to pray in the name of Jesus. Today, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on The Breakfast Show. We are going to continue on, and you'll hear us again after this song.